On this episode of Resi Week, we talk Cedia's new industry report, Vantage and Pure Edge Lighting, and the art and science of power. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 323, Bridging of the Gap. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Just Add Power, the global leader in video over IP solutions with systems that give you easy installation, unmatched scalability, and outstanding performance. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by some of my closest friends. First, we have Mr. Joseph Whitaker. He is the VP of Business Development at Origin Acoustics. How you doing, Joseph? Doing good. Uh, you know, loving life. Glad to be on your show after a bunch of hit and misses for the last, like, three hours supposed to be on. <laughs> well, you had a baby. Stuff happened, you know. Yeah, you know. All the goodies. You know, you know. Someone who has not had a baby recently is Mr. Stephen Bronner, uh, even though occasionally he acts like one. He's the president of Pro Audio Georgia. <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. How you doing, my friend? I am outstanding, man. I love you so much. <laughs> no babies recently. Uh, that is not going to happen. We've had our four and we are done. So... <laughs> Uh, yes, I, uh, things are going great. It's uh, it was a beautiful day here in Georgia. Now we got a little overcast, but, uh, it's always beautiful in Georgia, baby. Last, but certainly not least, uh, we have a new guest to the show. It is Vince Luciani. He is a senior sales engineer at Amatech. Uh, how you doing Vince? Doing well, doing well. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for joining us. Sorry. You're, you're stuck with me and these two guys. Uh, but it'll be a great show. You and I will hold it down. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro. If I get my computer to actually scroll, uh, a new market report has come out from Cedia. It is the integrated home market analysis of 2021, uh, released and summarized in April of 2022. It covers a, a ton of stuff. Uh, that respondents to the survey submitted online from August to October of 2021 and covers a whole boatload of stuff. Joe, you, you've been kind of on all three sides of this now. Uh, you've obviously been involved pretty directly with Cedia and getting these kind of uh, surveys out there and, and, and started. Uh, obviously, you've run an integration company for years and now you're working on the manufacturing side. What was the what's the main takeaway here from this report? And and I'll preface it with the fact that this is mainly a U.S. report at, at this point. Um, but what's the main takeaway that, that you found in this, and and why is this important? Well, the main take I'm trying to figure out what kind of math they're using. So, you know, you've got you know <laughs> there's some interesting stuff in here, but when you start crunching the numbers, it it, it kind of can get sketchy. Um, so, you know, you've got your average annual revenue, right. Of like, you know, 2.2 million, but then it goes into mm -hmm. average project size is like 26 K. So that's like misleading information a little bit. When you break those numbers down, the more mm -hmm. interesting stuff to me was looking at the makeup of the companies, right. You know, how much the two to two to three man, two to four man companies are doing. How are the six to nine man companies doing their revenue and 
and that kind of thing. That's where I think um, the show and growth is. And, and the fact that they, they put mm -hmm. out there that there's currently, you know, 11,000 integration companies. Well, you know, last time I counted to or actually paid attention to this a couple of years ago. I mean, that's a good couple thousand more than mm -hmm. pre-pandemic when you really look at those numbers. So, of course, in the business side, looking at the revenue and, the, and the, the amount that's out there for the industry, okay, that's great. But when you see the growth of the industry as far as new businesses that are actually, you know, um, you know making enough, grabbing enough attention to be counted in that 11,000, um, that's where I see the real interesting thing is, is those pre-pandemic numbers to now. I mean, you're 2,000 more than we were in 2018 and 2019 coming out of the pandemic. So that to me, mm -hmm. that's the strength of the industry rather than just the dollars we're throwing around. Yeah, that's a good point. Steven, when you see this, when you follow this, um, interesting math aside, and I, I'll, I'll throw a caveat out there that I, I, unless you're going to put numbers on the table, I have a really hard time trusting any survey that's just like, hey, can you complete this survey? Because of course I do $5 million a year. Of course I'm putting that down. I ain't telling you I did 500000 Yeah, what do you right. mind? Anyways, um, <laughs> as an HTP, as, a, as an integrator, what do you take away from this? Is there anything to take away from this outside of maybe some of those emerging trends? Nope. It's useless. It was a useless report put out by an industry association <laughs> that had nothing to lose and everything to gain from the numbers being high. I, I listen. I, I I applaud CDA, but they're a business just like any other business, and um, they it's a useless report. It means absolutely nothing. So you mean to tell me that the industry organization that relies on those numbers being really high managed to put out a report where we have two thousand additional integrators? Let let me make sure I understand. So we can't get amplifiers. We have a hard time getting routers or any major network pieces. We can't get any components, but somehow we added 2,000 companies to the mix. At the end of a yeah, pandemic. Yeah, at the end no of a less. pandemic. Now, one thing I will say is, is that during this pandemic, a lot of people decided to try self-employment and owning their own business. And so I can see that being a possibility. But we're going into a recession in 2023 anyway, so we'll be back down below pre-pandemic by the end of 2023. So it, we can't really help that. That's not a political thing or a guess. It's, it has to go that way. So basically, I look at this report and I say, wow, congratulations. You can use this for marketing for another 12 months. Um, other than that, it was useless to me. I don't like you said, you're asking people to reveal their numbers online. Number one, most of the people taking that quiz don't really know all the real numbers. They're the CEOs or whatever. They have a general idea about how much is it per product, per, per um, project. Man, I don't know. That's why I didn't take it, because I started looking at the questions, and I was like, I'm not going to sit here and make up numbers. That just skews their results, so I didn't take it. But, you know, I I, I appreciate the efforts that CDS is putting in. I really do. I, I think they're trying to do a lot to show the strength and the power of our industry, and that's great. Uh, maybe if they could get Google and Amazon out of our show, that might do a little more. But what I will say is, is that um, congratulations to them. Uh, they've got great marketing material for the next 12 months, and uh, I look forward to seeing what the next numbers say, because I think that um, 
that marketing is going to be pretty hard to keep up when people are going out of business. And that's what's about to happen. We're about to see the same thing that we saw in 2009 and 2010. And I made it through that, brother. And I'm one of the few. I had several friends that didn't make it. So um, anyway, that's what I took away from that report. Uh, it was it was uh, passive reading for me, which is a huge statement since I read everything our industry puts out. Um, I almost didn't read it, but I did. It's like you're saying inflation is bad. So, so Matt, just question as a, you know, kind of new in the industry, and maybe this is a question for Steven. We don't want to hear from him. <laughs> is there consolidation to, 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 to integrators by other companies, and is that a factor in this thing? That happens. Well, the reason why the numbers are going to go down is because generally now you are talking to three exceptions to this rule, and they'll agree with this. But generally, you are either one of three things, a good business, like a good salesperson, you're a really good integrator, or you're really good at running a business, okay? Those three things rarely exist in the same person. But what happens is you get people that are very good mm -hmm. integrators, and they can do good sales, so they start a company because they get three or four clients that throw a couple of $50,000, $60,000 projects at them. All of a sudden, I'm self-employed, way to go. But the problem is, is that there's way more to it. It's a totally different mentality. You almost have to be able to, like a fan has one, two, three clicks. When you're doing this job, you have to be able to click those clicks. So you can't let your business owner click interfere with your integrator click. And so you have to, it's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. So the reason why the numbers will go down has nothing to do with the quality of the integrator. It has to do with the fact that very few integrators know how to run a business. And so, so um, the good thing is, is out of that, there are a lot of companies that are going to gain some great employees that have a true respect for what it takes to run a company. And keep in mind, 2020 was the year of all I got to do is buy a van, right? Everybody that thought they had some tech skills, all I got to do is buy a van. And you see all these yep. new vans on the highway of such and such audio, video, home theater, and whatever else crap I could stick in your house. And when we go into this recession, it's, it's going to weed all them back out and they're going to go right back to working for the companies that they worked for before they bought that van. Yeah, I, I live in a town of 450, 500,000 people. And in the last over the pandemic, we added, I believe, at least 10 new companies that just popped up out of nowhere doing AV and shades and yeah. everything. And some of it's all right. I'm very tempted to see if you know, the main four of us, five of us that are here will probably still be here end of next year. I don't know how many of those other, those new ones will, will, will stick around. Yeah. Vince, can you take, as a manufacturer, can you take anything out of these kind of reports? Do these mean anything to you guys? Or is this one of those things where, yeah, it's, it's interesting information. We'll file that away, but it's not going to impact our day to day. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that you know that the the decisions that we make are based on those kind of reports. The decisions that we make, I think, uh, are, are you know come from talking to people like Stephen and other you know integration partners that we've got to see what you know you know what we need to do. But mm -hmm. you know the the one thing that I you know we talked a little bit Matt before uh, uh, you know we started this recording. You know, I used to be in the office automation side, right, where, and it was a kind of a very similar, uh, 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 you know, uh, business model, right, where you have mm -hmm. these independent copy machine dealers 
and then you've got the big copy machine manufacturers. And the, the trend in that market was consolidation. That's why I asked that, that, that question, yeah. where once you got, the formula was once you got so many you know, uh, uh, you know, devices under, under your roof, you know, um, it, um, you know, you were worth a certain amount and then the big guy in that, in that market would buy you up. And I was just wondering if that's the same kind of model that's going on in our, in our little neck of the woods here. And that is happening. Integration companies, there's some down in Austin that just happened, uh, you know, the Bravis thing happened. And, and so, I mean, that that's new new to the integrator for the most part, but that was spurred on yeah. by everybody else doing it. Yeah. And, and I think d just before we move on, I, I think the biggest and the hardest part of that is um, I, I've got a client who does a lot of that uh, as far as he buys other companies. And we, we had a conversation about it uh, about a year ago. And his big thing was, you know, when I look at most people in your space, they don't run a saleable business. They run a great business for them and it's great so that they can buy a boat, Yeah. but they don't run a business that has assets and, you know, an actual pipeline and, and, you know, a, a business plan that gets them beyond them making enough money to buy their boat. And, you know, I think that's, that's one of those things that's causing not only a skew in the market, but also we're, we're going to continue to see that get flushed out as we go. All right, gentlemen, let's change topics for a second to one that I'm I'm intrigued and, and excited about. This comes to us from Residential Tech Today. Vantage and Pure Edge Lighting are forming a strategic alliance. Uh, if you don't know Pure Edge, what are you doing? You can't say you play in lighting if you don't know Pure Edge. Uh, they, they manufacture some fantastic uh, fixtures, specifically uh, LED architectural fixtures. Uh, so this is kind of a, a big deal. It's it's going to uh, include a dealer profit promotion with a 5% discount on projects that feature both brands, um, etc. We, we've seen these things happen before. What gets me excited about it, and, and Stephen, I want to start with you on this, is Pure Edge is a, a fairly well-known company in the light design community. They're heavily partnered with Lightology out of Chicago. Uh, it is founded out of Chicago by Gregory Kay. It's a really well-known brand to designers and to anyone who plays in architectural light. The fact that they're playing and making a play into our space, I think, is a huge deal as we continue to go down this lighting world. Stephen, is this a, 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 a... Am I making too big of a deal about this? Or is this a, a, a huge thing for our community to see the buy-in from a major manufacturer like this. I don't really know a lot about that part of the industry. So uh, I kind of pride myself on the fact that I, I don't really talk about stuff I don't understand. Uh, but what I will say is, is anytime you have a company that goes consumer direct instead of dealing with big people, they go consumer direct. Uh, that company very rarely, uh, uh, what's the best way to put it? They, they very rarely bring into the equation the fact that you're going to be dealing with a lot of stupid people. Um, so, so what happens is, is that your tech support times go way up. Um, 
your your uh, your overall turnaround on product is going to go way up. So generally, what happens, and I've seen this several times, is manufacturers that do that. Uh, two to three years later, you talk to them, and they're like, "Yeah, we're looking for a path forward where we don't do that anymore." And so it's uh, it's a steep lesson. Some make it, some don't. So I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to deal with 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 uh, online pricing because if they had a, a, a you know if they had a path for consumers to buy direct, how are the dealers in our community going to be protected on internet pricing? Is it something where there's a different go to market strategy? Their their direct to consumer side is going to vary, and, and it is a it, they do have a direct to consumer, but all these brands do. They all have something like that is it just one of those things where even though they have a, a d2c option the fact that you also can get it from your integrator just means hey i don't have to go source it i can just ask my integrator to do it does that play into that you know it does all, all i know is you know i think everybody that's probably listening to this podcast is this broadcast uh, knows Jimmy Patchkey, right? He's he's mm -hmm. the he's the the Surgex salesman. Jimmy does an excellent job of protecting the um, the dealer's pricing by making sure that there's no Surgex online for any consumer to look at, right? And that just gives the, the you know the dealers that added confidence that they're you know that they're not going to get any flack from their customer on yeah. on on pricing. So. I know all I know is what you know what uh, what I see from Jimmy and and how he approaches our business and I think that's a I think that's a good strategy. Uh, I was just at an Ozion conference and I heard uh, about I heard uh, you know a, a couple of our dealers uh, you know talk about a particular lighting company, not any of the ones that we're talking to today, mm -hmm. complaining about that exact subject that yeah. you know that these that that lighting company was was prided themselves. In having a direct to consumer uh, portal, it's like it doesn't do me any good. So, yeah, and, and I think that's a tough one because heck, almost everybody has D to C now. It, it's you know, there's very few protected protected lines. Speaking of protected lines, Joseph, <laughs> as Origin correct. does not do direct to consumer. Thank you very much, uh, Joe. You and I have talked about this more than a few times. Uh, mm -hmm. The the way in which we're finally starting to see some bigger brands in the lighting world come into our space and, and try and get involved in our space. And I know there are some people that think this is a bad thing. I personally think this is a good thing. And I think this leads some um, credibility to us going to a consumer and saying, hey, we also sell light fixtures. And it's not some, no disrespect to any of the brands in our world, um, but it's not some brand you've never heard of. It is right. a big market brand, and, and there's quite a few out there. Um, and I'm a dealer for quite a few of those. Um, <laughs> is this the continued trend? Is this what we expect to see? Are we going to see Kitchler come in um, or any of those other big, big brands and be like, hey, we're here. We also want to work with you. Or is this interesting one-offs? And you name dropped that one. And right when you said it, that, that just <laughs> light bulb went off in my head. And I'm like, I could see them actually being the next one to enter. Like, if you really think about it, because, you know, you look at the past five or so years, it's like, um, you know, 
lighting is the next new final frontier for the integrator, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, we all know that, okay, that, of course, means that we need to have an electrician or we need to be, you know, cozied up to an electrical company or however the case may be with that. But you're right. And I always brought it back to the business strategy of what we do inside homes. I'm going to sell you a $250 dimmer. That's one gang, one slot on the wall. And even on the super low end of what we could do, I can do eight $250 can lights in your ceiling. That's the real mm -hmm. estate I want. Forget about the switch and the dimmer. That's a one-time, one-pop, $250. But there's eight of them in the ceiling in every room. Okay, now valuable conversation. Now you just said, okay, you're going to do an eight times effect on what your bottom end is. Okay, now you're talking about revenue. This is exciting to me. So on that note, yes, we're paying attention. But the thing is, the, light, the lighting companies are barely starting to pay attention, right? I mean, the big explosion was pretty much everything that happened at Savant uh, when they acquired, yeah. you know, GE Lighting and all this other stuff is they saw the writing on the wall. What's going to stop us is the bridging of the gap. We've either got to have the lighting people put the integrator in contact with electricians that can, you know, fulfill the fit and the build and the install or the integration companies are going to have to start bringing on master electricians, you know, even yeah. to start the permitting process. Uh, Amanda Wildman is a perfect example of they went that route, yeah. you know, master electrician and all that. And they're, they're looking at long game where, you know, Poncho, the rest of their staff is being trained as journeymen or, you know, uh, apprentice uh, electricians under that master. So they're looking long game, which I think is, is the way it's going to be. Keep in mind, there are quite a few brands that are bringing low-voltage lighting to the masses. And Steven's very excited about this, and, and I think I know who you're going to mention, but I'm going to mention somebody else for a sec. There's an entire line from Wax AV line, which is Aspire, that is all low-voltage. Yeah, but, you know, on that, I do agree, but... I but I'm going to I'm going to let Steven take off with this one because I see he's excited. But there's the one catch gotcha of all of it. It's different than high volt. And for somebody mm -hmm. to be extremely effective, they need to understand the difference between constant current, constant voltage. Oh, yeah. Um, there's there's a lot involved in it. It's a huge learning curve. Yes. Big time. I mean, so but is it worth it? I'll, I'm going to let Steven be excited because I am, too. Yeah, but, we'll let we'll let Steven go for a second. Yeah, and we'll, we'll hear yeah. our last story. OK. One minute, Stephen. One minute. Dig this. One minute. Here we go. Riddle me this. Now I am taking everything from the waist up in your house and making it low voltage. Not only can I do that, but instead of needing a instead of needing a generator for your lights, now I can put a UPS on and it keeps your lights going in the background as opposed to having to have a generator outside now. You're going to save money on the generator. You're going to save money because you do the UPS. You have to change the batteries every two years, uh, but you're still saving money overall. Um, you can get a smaller generator because now you're not running anything above your waist at all in the house. And the wiring cost is nothing. And the control is everything. People love control. They love having that. So now instead of all this other stuff, now you've got a network switch and some category cable and light bulbs and it's just getting better and better every day if you look at the poet stuff they actually have a uh, floodlight with a poe camera built into it 
So mm-hmm. you put, you run one category cable outside. You have a floodlight that's bright as any other floodlight with a camera in it already that's not tied to some crazy cloud service. It's actually tied to your NVR that you don't have to pay for monthly and hope that it works. So that is, the, the thing is, is that we have to understand that something has to change. And with as energy efficient as people are going and all that, especially with newer construction, we've got um, 3D printed houses coming. We've got all this newer construction happening. Those kind of buildings, that kind of construction, if I can go to the builder and I can say, you know what I can do? I can instantly make every house you build 5% cheaper and just as sturdy as all of your competitors by changing everything from the waist up to low voltage. That's the next phase. Imagine doing that in a commercial building. Doing it in a house is one thing. Imagine changing all the lighting in a hospital. You're just trying voltage. to mess with the unions. I see what you're doing. Oh, I can't stand the unions. <laughs> but that's, that's, that, that is beside the fact. I'm just telling you that if you took everything from the waist up and turned it to low voltage, now you have made cost of construction go through, I mean, go way down. Yeah. And and any company that's taking that and running with it, they're going to be the ones on the, on the edge. They're going to be the ones getting projects. The biggest hurdle is getting the architects and engineers to bite. That's the initial one. The, 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 the next biggest hurdle will be the government. Because anytime you get a permit, you're paying by 110 light fixture. And when you go to low vault, you're not paying your local government permitting fees anymore per light fixture. And they are going to have a fit. That's going to happen. And see, the <laughs> issue is, is that I have a, a really narrow view of that because I'm in Georgia where we believe in freedom and, and we don't let unions run our state. <laughs> so, um, so oh, goodness, here we go. In, in Georgia, if, if you want to do low voltage lighting, you don't have to pad the pockets of the inspector or some union guy to do it. So my thing is, is that I have a skewed look at it because I'm in the half of the country that believes in that. So we are, I understand that. And that's why I depend on guys like you that have worked in those union states and Matt, who lives in uh, uh, China, Canada. So we have to, you know, we, we have to have these things. But I'm telling you, whoever gets the first hospital, the first major hotel, the first major resort, as soon as that hits and these other builders realize, holy crap, you did the electrical for how much? It's over. It's game over. Yeah. Now you're talking yeah. about instant load shedding. You're talking about full control over lighting. It's crazy. But you know, it's gonna it's gonna require the integrator to have that 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 detailed lighting experience because lighting yeah. is not a no brainer. You know, lighting is. I mean, I love quality lighting. You know. Yeah, I agree with you that you have to have lighting experience. But what you'll find is on most most commercial projects, the people installing the lights have nothing to do with designing where they go. Yeah, uh, and that's actually true in most residential projects too. Uh, yeah. There's a local guy named Vince, uh, named Vince that that I like. He's a very great guy, and he's a lighting designer and an integrator. But most of the time, we're not deciding where the lights go, so that won't really be that big a change for us. Um, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting on that. Like I said, that first hospital, that first hotel, when it hits, it's going to be ugly. And I'm telling you. And if anybody wants to know what I'm talking about, just scan. Scan the P-O-E-W-I-T, POET. Scan their website and look at that stuff and realize it's not a gimmick. 
This is not a one-off. This stuff works, and it's being deployed. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from our residential systems, the art and science of power quality by our good friend Jimmy Paskey. Uh, read through the article. Jimmy covers a, a bunch of really interesting things and, and important stuff as far as um, integrators looking beyond just the tech and, and looking at the quality of your home's electrical power environment. Vince, I'm, I'm glad you're here for this. Power is one of those things that nobody really wants to talk about. Nobody starts their pitch when they meet a, few, uh, a customer for the first time of, let's talk about your power. They always pitch the the theater room or the, the lighting control system or the automation touchpads, all the, the super sexy stuff. But we all know, especially everybody on this call and most people who listen, that that's all fine and dandy. But if your power sucks or is sketchy, everything's going to uh, be, be harmed. How do we go about talking to consumers about power and finding a way to make not 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 go down the, the scare tactic route, but yeah. find a way to make power sexy and remind them how important it is to everything they've got in their house? That, that, that is a great question. Um, you know, my, my views on that have kind of evolved over time. And, um, you know, right before, you know, uh, the COVID shutdown, right as we were cut shutting down in 2019 because of COVID, um, I got a little, uh, uh, you know, thing from my heating and air conditioning guy that I could install a plasma uh, uh, air cleaner in my uh, ventilation system, right? So basically, I was taking charge of my own uh, uh, water, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, uh, air quality in my house. When I renovated this house in 20, uh, uh, tw uh, 2008, I put in a whole house uh, water filter because I don't trust uh, you know Mecklenburg County water system to to give me to provide me clean water so no matter what faucet I go into this house I have confidence I can drink out of this thing and it tastes good power is that same kind of thing it is a it's a utility that is is provided by a company that has to make money they're not in it to give you quality they're really kind of in it just to make sure that you check the box that it's there and it's one of those things that is invisible to the consumer where you don't know, the consumer doesn't know how bad the, 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 the power quality is until you put a you know a power quality meter on there and have some way to, to, to kind of prove it. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the way that I would approach a, a, a homeowner on why you need a power. And then, you know, and then it, it goes on from there. You know, the next thing is, well, I've got a generator uh, in that, doesn't that, uh, uh, you know, help me out and, you know, you know, a generator is, you know, I see Stephen shaking his head. Yeah, a generator's there to, to provide energy, but the quality of the energy that it provides is is worse than the power company, right? Yep. So, you know, that, that you know, end-of-the-line device that we, you know, that we that we uh, provide, a double conversion online uh, UPS with an isolation transformer built in, is about, it's about all you can do to, 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 to absolutely take care of the problem. And at the end of the day, it not only helps the consumer by you know ha making their system have incredible availability, it's always gonna be there for them to use, but more so it helps people like Steve and his reputation, right? Because when 
it happens every time. When the power screws up your system, the people don't blame it on the power. They they blame Stephen. You know, and that and and you know, so it it really goes to their credibility to make sure. So there's a lot of our our dealer partners that that you know will put in a UPS even though the customer didn't ask for it, and they do it because. I want to do it for me. I want to do it to make sure I'm covered, you know, so. Yeah, in my case, in my case, I put them in to keep my networks running because if the network's running, I can fix just about anything. So you're right. The UPS is critical. Good point. Joe, Vince brought up uh, an interesting approach that a, a lot of integrators use. They just put this stuff in and they don't necessarily have a long drawn out conversation about it. They don't even line list it separately. It is just included as a foundational piece. Is that is that arguably the the easiest approach to, to dealing with this? Um, that would be filed <laughs> under uh, miscellaneous parts. Uh, I, quite, I did that quite often with power stuff um, <laughs> to the point of like, you know, what Vince was talking about. Anytime we did it, which we did a lot, anytime we did a takeover project, um, if it was a project somebody else started, and they wanted to go to us for whatever the reason may have been. Um, that Serge X Envision box goes on there before we do a site visit, like a true site visit. Yep. That thing will sit there for a week and just record its butt off. And then we'll look at that before we do the, okay, now let's look at what's in the control system, what's in the audio. Because before, you know, I've seen stuff, and this was years before um, Serge, X, Serge X offered this kind of stuff. Um, where you would go in and you would take do a takeover project and you would go, you know, just looking at the rooms and you'd kick on a room of audio and blow up an amplifier. Um, guess what? Shame on you. I just bought an amplifier. Uh, and that's just kind of the way it goes. So, so Envision was a big part of how we stepped into those processes. Um, in all of the stuff that we did, only really two things were mandatory. Um, it was taking care of power and taking care of the network. Um, if you wanted to use some stuff from Office Max on either side, sorry, you're not the client for us. Um, we have, you know, kind of a, a, a uptime SLA. We have a service level agreement. We have all these things in place. And if you're not doing X, Y, and Z, we're not the right company, company for you because we can't provide the level of service to you that we provide all the rest of our clients. So, you know, when you tell them that, you know, especially in the, the home of today, the most two important pieces are the strength of your network and the strength of having clean conditioned, always up power. It starts making sense to them. You know, when you tell them, Hey, it's all based on electricity. It's not going to work without it. And let me show you what happens to just a computer when it experiences a small piece of a brownout and it starts shutting off services to keep the computer alive. But once it gets full voltage back up, it never restarts those services. That's why the ISP tells you reboot. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with what Vince is saying because we did that. We had miscellaneous packages. We had power packages. We had, you know, network infrastructure packages where things were not line itemed. It was just these are required pieces for us to build that for you. Being a, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, an engineer, a geek, right? I've got power monitors all over this house, right? Mm -hmm. And um, Envision's part of it, and the and the new one we have out called Squid. That's kind of a higher resolution. It is really remarkable how much the power changes from minute to minute. Yeah. And 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 I mean, and the reality is, I think sometimes we don't think about this, or we don't realize this. 
power is a real-time um, uh, entity, meaning the power that we're all using in our respective locations was generated, you know, microseconds ago at the power plant that's near you, and it is providing energy real-time right now. Mm-hmm. So, so what that means is if there is a, a problem on the grid, we see it immediately, and then when they fix it, it gets fixed immediately, and, you know, it's 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 remarkable that it works as well as it does, but mm. we should not be surprised when it goes down because it goes down a lot. And you, I yeah. mean, my my uh, my power here at this location, Charlotte, North Carolina, I will be anywhere from 119 volts to 123 volts on a daily basis. It goes up and down mm. and up and down. And what that just shows me is the grid is vulnerable. It's all kinds of things that could 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 now. Between 119 and 123, I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, all my equipment works fine. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. It's just that there's variabilities in there, you know. And, uh, Matt, I think you were telling us about a story, of, you know, about a, a neutral wire, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, affecting, you know, affecting. There's so many things. There's more things that, that can go wrong than that can go right, you know, in in, uh, in these systems. So. Yeah, that's very true. You, know, you, you can protect yourself. That's the good That's the good part is you can protect your clients and provide them with uh, uh, you know a, a reliable system that gives them reliable energy uh, that's very tightly regulated and it's going to make their equipment last longer and perform better. Yep, that's the key. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, Vince, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Surgex or Amatech, how can they do that? Vince.Luciani at Amatech.com. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Mr. Bronner, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Pro Audio Georgia, where can they do that? Uh, you can look me up online, ProAudioGeorgia.com or ProAudioCarolinas.com. Uh, we're doing great things uh, all over the Southeast and having a good time doing it. Uh, if anybody hears this and they need have any questions or uh, concerns or uh, complaints, go to Matt D. Scott at Omega Audio. But everything else comes to uh, Stephen at ProAudioGA.com or uh, ProAudio underscore GA on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Mr. Whitaker, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Origin Acoustics, where can they do that? Uh, you can always just email me, joe at originacoustics.com. Uh, check out our website, crazy stuff that kind of goes on social media. Uh, and also, May Tech Summit, Origin Acoustics will be there. Tola event, Dallas, Texas, May 4th and 5th. Origin Acoustics will be there. And, uh, you know, all the other events that uh, we typically have during the year. Love it. Uh, Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, as Stephen said, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avionation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.